Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Diana Ross. Remember that one? I guess we could call that one of those oldie but goldies. America Meditating meets you every day, 24-7, on our free app, Pulse for Peace, online blog talk radio, and many other platforms that we are um, broadcast on. TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes. We're happy about that. We think that the conversations that we're having are important conversations and they're rich. Last night we attended Ocean Prime, a dinner at Ocean Prime, rather, in Washington, D.C., with a few friends, in particular a wonderful man that's running a nonprofit organization called Golf My Future, Craig Kirby. Basically, he's bringing disenfranchised youths on the turf. And we're looking at how we can educate individuals in different areas of the community who would never even imagine that they could be on the golf course. Many of you might not know this, but I love golfing. And if you look at my America Meditating Twitter, you'll see some of those funny-looking images of a sister on the golf course and loving every minute of it. And so last night we had a really endearing meeting about the importance of really 
bringing people up, raising people up, inspiring people to be more of who they can be. But we need to find avenues for that. And there are times that we struggle with trying to find life solutions. Sometimes they're right in front of us. Sometimes we need a helping hand. We need somebody to inspire us. But also sometimes there are individuals with a kind of a sixth sense that can zone into even our future and give us some insight as to what's awaiting or what subtle energies we are holding to that might be creating a blockage which isn't really needed. Now, I'm approaching our 20-year anniversary in Washington, D.C. Yay! And I mean that really, yay, woohoo, waha, wow. It's not easy to offer spirituality in an area that really isn't interested in the, in the product of spirituality. But I'm not here for that. I realize that I just loved doing what I do or what I was called to do. And I'm happy that we have succeeded in the 20 years, not even realizing that we have succeeded until we started to look back at 20 years of history. It's been huge, thousands and thousands of events, millions of lives, 18 initiatives, beautiful relationships. And that's from a meditation group? That's not possible. Yes, it is. The more we amplify our inner world, the more we find clarity in our world, the more we're living truthfully, openly, and purely. I believe the soul can govern its energy in a way that more good can be done. More of this living your life to your fullest potential can be done. Everything is coming from your thinking, but also the intentions behind your thought. Please keep checking what is the motivation behind what you are doing? And to go a little bit deeper than that, what is your motivation behind what you are thinking? Because your thoughts manifest your destiny and your future. And some people and some of us have the ability to tap so deep into our thinking that we can see even things in situation in advance. And that moves me to our guest speaker that we're going to have on the air, Mark Anthony. No, not the one that was married to J-Lo. But Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, is what he's known as, is a fourth-generation psychic medium. He is also a successful attorney, licensed to practice law in Florida and Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. Now, Mark graduated from Mercer Law School with honors, which included the study of law at Oxford University in England. He has also studied mediumship in England at the Arthur Finley College for the Advancement of Psychic Science. Mark is the best-selling author of Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity and is featured regularly on many media outlets as a legal analyst, psychic medium, and paranormal expert. What a combination, huh, folks? He recently appeared on CBS TV's hit show, The Doctors, and is a featured speaker at conferences, expos, universities that are nationwide. Today we welcome psychic lawyer Mark Anthony. I feel kind of weird introducing you as a psychic lawyer, but hi, Mark. <laughs> Good morning, Sister Jenna, and, and thank you for having me on the show. It, it's really such an honor to, to be here. Well, I am so curious about your narrative because generally the stereotype about lawyers is that they're so kind of, their intellects Evil. tend to be very, <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say that. I'm sorry. They tend to be very, very harsh. What I mean by harsh is clinical, calculated. And when I think of someone who is psychic or even spiritual, I consider their intellectual abilities to be very flexible, very soft, and very subtle because that's how they can receive message. So I just want you to tell me what makes you so well-balanced, my brother. <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't mean to joke and say lawyers are evil, but you know what's no, funny, no, Jenna? Both of my professions, being an attorney mm -hmm. and a medium, evoke an immediate reaction from people. I mean, if you meet mm -hmm. somebody and they go, what do you do for a living? And you say, oh, you know, I'm an engineer. Most people say, oh, that's nice, or I work in you know, uh, retail, oh, that's nice. But usually when you say, hi, I'm an attorney, people have a reaction. Generally because mm -hmm. when an attorney comes into your life, uh, with very rare exception, it's not a good thing. You know, it's because there's a contract butte or a family law matter or a criminal law matter or, you know, an accident injury. And with mediums, People either believe it or they don't. And then you get some people that have a reaction to it. Mm -hmm. But the way I look at it is, 
both of my professions are about helping people, and both of my professions are about evidence. And even though people may have reactions towards attorneys, there are times when you need one. It's like most people mm-hmm. don't want to go to the doctor, but there are times when you need to go to the doctor, and it's, it's a necessity of life. And so with evidence, as an attorney, we know that fact and the evidence is used to substantiate your case. Also, mm-hmm. as a psychic medium, I'm an evidential medium. You know, I just don't tell people your grandmother's around and she loves you. It is my job to convey to them things that I couldn't possibly know, which are transmitted by a spirit. Now, when you're asking about being balanced, it's very important in, in spirit communication, turn off the left brain. Because if something comes in and you immediately start picking and overanalyzing it, which is what lawyers do, okay, that's, that's mm-hmm. what we're trained to do, you have to feel the impression feel the emotion first, um, get the information, and then later on analyze it. But any good attorney does have a sense of empathy, particularly in dealing with clients who have been the victim of, uh, of um, a death. You know, uh, uh, Maybe they lost a family member, a child, God forbid, or mm-hmm. a rape victim. You know, you have to show empathy. You have to show, uh, you know, be sympathetic and compassionate. Also, in jury selection, in court, It's very important to be sincere and credible. You know, people don't like the, you know, the the, the stereotypical lawyer that comes in and and is condescending. You know, I had a friend who used to make a joke about him because he had this very way of talking, and we joked that his way of selecting a jury would be to say, I realize you're all a bunch of morons, so I'll try to make this as simple as possible. And Mm -hmm. realize when we were joking around that that what he wasn't saying it like that, but that's kind of what he was doing. And I saw him evolve and change and then start relating to the jurors as people because the folks on a jury, they're not stupid. They're not by any stretch of the imagination beneath. They just don't have a different life experience and we can all connect. You know, because a lot of people in the legal profession get this, I am in control, I have power, and that's where it all goes wrong. It's mm-hmm. when it becomes an driven thing. Mm-hmm. But I guess you are right. I mean, an attorney is supposed to have a sort of a sixth sense about things. So in a way, I've never thought about it. But I think that attorneys might have like a natural wiring to be able to really tune in to sense, is this client really being honest or authentic with me? And really, do I really take this case on board? But I've never really ever connected the two until you. I mean, I never thought about it. Well, it, it, you know, and it's it, it's easy um, to to have that viewpoint because mm-hmm. as attorneys, um, you know, when you when you bring on a case, and if somebody's gonna like an accident case or a complex uh, civil case or or a criminal case, you're gonna be connected to that person for some time. And what I, you know, and and right now because of my work, I got two best-selling books out, and I'm on a nationwide speaking tour where I'm explaining quantum physics as the basis of the afterlife. Um, I am doing this full-time now, and I still appear on Mm -hmm. radio and television like I did on The Doctors as a legal expert um, and legal analyst in addition to being a psychic medium. But Mm -hmm. when you get involved with a client, one of the first things I would tell them is, I'm not here to be your friend. I am here to be your lawyer. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be polite and respectful and friendly towards you, but we're not, not best buds. And the reason for that, Sister Jenna, is that... An effective attorney, like a good doctor and like a good psychic, does not get emotionally involved with the client because then mm-hmm. you lose your professional objectivity. I have to r- remove myself, my personal feelings, and do what is best for the client. And as a medium, um, when people contact me for readings, it says very clearly on my website, evidenceofeternity.com, please don't tell me anything about who you want to contact or about your circumstances. And the reason mm-hmm. for that is I don't want to be predisposed or tainted by anything I know ahead of time. I want everything that's being transmitted to me from the other side to be 
um, directly from the spirit. People, and I'll say, okay, there's a spirit coming to you. Oh, my gosh, is that my Uncle Henry? He had type B blood. He died in mm-hmm. Michigan. He was attacked by sharks off the coast of Cuba and audited by the IRS. Is that him? <laughs> well, now I know. I, you know I, got, I got basically a synopsis on his life story. That's why I tell people, don't do that. Let me bring forth the information. And then I'll say, you know, hey, I'm getting this thing. Like, was he attacked by sharks? You know, and then he could say, yes, he was. Mm-hmm. I'm using as an example, although things like that have come up in reading. I'm sure they do. I mean, in your book, you've got, in your book entitled "Evidence of Eternity," you write about how it was growing up psychic, and when did you actually first realize that there was an ability in you that was different than the rest? And what was it like growing up with parents who too were psychics? Was it like an interesting conversation in your house? Oh yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's so funny to ask that because uh, um, when I was around four. It was like three to four. I started talking to people that, quote, unquote, weren't there, except for the fact that my parents could see them, too. And I'll never forget um, my dad getting very upset. He was like, oh, no. And then mom was kind of like, you know, she's like all giddy, like, oh, this is great, you know. But what it is, um, my dad was afraid because his sister, who was a very gifted um, psychic medium, had been uh, committed to a mental institution when she was a young woman against her will and subjected to forced electroshock therapy. And it was absolutely horrible what they did to my Aunt Marjorie, whom I never met. I mean, I see her, um, uh, she's come through to me in, in readings. And I remember mm-hmm. I did a reading once for my father. And I started describing this woman. He goes, dear God, that's Marjorie. And uh, mm-hmm. she came through. So we have been persecuted and treated very, very badly throughout the centuries. Um, in many Middle Eastern countries now, um, being a psychic is punishable by beheading. In in the Western world, we have to deal with the cynics who say they're skeptics, but they're not really skeptics because skeptics are open-minded people who are looking for evidence. Cynics are closed-minded people who refuse to believe anything that they can't see, you know, smell, taste, or touch, or hear directly. And certainly by religious people who, you know, take a twisted version of uh, whatever religious dogma that they profess to be following. And um, because if you look at all the great scriptures throughout the world, uh, it's loaded with mediums and psychics. It's just that when we're treated as good guys or good girls, we're prophets or prophetesses. When these same scriptures want to depict us as negative, uh, they refer to us as mediums or witches, things like that. But as far as discussions in my household, oh, definitely. I mean, I'd come home from school and mom would be like, oh, I saw a spirit today and I'd be making a peanut butter sandwich and eating it and listening to her. And hey, that's cool, you know. And uh, when I got older, mom was would teach me, um, you know, she said, you know, that, that outline you see around people, that's their aura. And I was like, I was wondering what that was. And she would teach me how to see people's auras and, and how they would expand and contract and change color based on uh, the person's mood. It's kind of funny. Remember those old, uh, I remember hearing about mood rings. People put these Mm -hmm. rings on. Basically, it was the thing that, yeah, reacted to your body temperature. But uh, (laughs) um, auras are quite a bit more more complex, and they can give you an idea of what a person may be feeling. And so Mm -hmm. it it was kind of cool. It was, I I thought it it was just great. Now, I have a question. Was it ever like a disturbing experience? Because there are times that perhaps you feel like you just want your own mental space. And because you're so intuitively charged and connected, have you ever felt like, I really wish I didn't have this gift? Never. I have never felt really? that way. And and I know that a lot of my colleagues, they talk about um, how the spirits won't leave them alone and all this. And maybe because, you know, my parents would tell me, you know, you can turn it on and turn it off when you want to. And then working, you know, developing it with mediums is what a medium, what anybody, okay, who feels spirits around them. Because I get people send me emails, oh, devils are after me. First off, there's no devils, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Spiritual entities that people are misinterpreting what they are and they immediately are afraid and therefore it's negative. You're in command. You're in control, and you define the parameters of the contact. So for me, it's it's like I put it out there. I am either doing this or I am not doing this. And the reason for that, Sister Jenna, is that when you control the parameters of the contact, you also improve the quality of the communication when you are engaging in it. 
It's like leaving the windows and doors of your home open 24-7. You would never think to do that because you don't know who's going to be climbing on it. So they know when I'm doing it and when I'm not doing it. And, you know, it gives me, you know, it gives me the control. Okay, can I ask maybe a silly question? Absolutely. Um, and I'm saying this um, with great respect. Uh, really, I am. And how much does it really help me to tap into? Because I have to tell you, my producer, she's like, it was like an interesting conversation. I'm very practical, and I'm on a path of spirituality, of practically living my life. I think my thoughts matter. I think situations that emerge in front of me or behind me is all because of karma. I believe that we are souls. We come with a part recorded in us, and our part emerges at its own time, and we play it out. So then we leave. We move on, we put on different costumes, we play different parts. Sometimes I suspect we are very attached to one another in certain relationships. And so I might get pulled more about someone that I've had in my past, and I don't know why, but I'm pulling, I'm being pulled to that feeling more to want to connect with somebody similar. But at the same token, is it really all about pacifying maybe something that's a longing in me? This is my first question, that... It's the benefit of um, psychically tuning in and finding where souls are and supporting souls. Is it to pacify when somebody feels that they've lost someone to just let them know what's going on? That's one. The second question is, if I pull somebody else's soul that's continuing on their journey, does my pulling them into an old story of the past disturb their current narrative? Good questions. I love <laughs> I love being on shows with people who really understand this stuff, you know, because... Uh-huh. You know, I, I'm. You know, it's more fun for me to discuss this because this. These are the type of things that I write about and I lecture about. Okay, the first part of your question: How does it help us? It mm-hmm. depends on the person, but in most instances, mediumistic contact is where spirits from the other side come through and bring messages of love, healing, and resolution. Maybe. Um, I, I've had so many instances where somebody had died and the person I'm doing the reading for, and I don't know anything about them, they left on really bad terms. And so there's these guilt and regrets, and those can be resolved. There's people who, let's say, somebody close to them has committed suicide, and they do not understand why, and then the spirit will come by, come through and explain what was going on with them mentally and emotionally before that. I've also had instances where I was doing a reading for, uh, this has happened in several cases for somebody, and I was doing a reading for this lady. It was over the phone, and mm-hmm. I did not know who she was. And after the reading, she told me who she was, and she's this famous Ph.D. But anyway, uh, her mother's spirit came through, and I kept hearing a name. I'm just going to make up a name, Philip. I go, I keep mm-hmm. hearing Phyllis. She goes, well, Phyllis is my mother's best friend, and she's still alive. Your mother is telling me there's something with Phyllis's eyesight. And she needs to get her eyes checked, and this is really important. And she said, well, I haven't talked to Phyllis in over a year, but I'll make a note of that. So I get an email about two weeks later, and she said she kept thinking about, you know, calling Phyllis. So she called Phyllis, and Phyllis said, you know, my eyes have been feeling very strange lately. <laughs> and, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to go for a checkup in six months, you know, my yearly checkup. And the, and the lady said, well, the psychic told me, and, and, all right, so it must have freaked Phyllis out because she went to the mm-hmm. eye doctor the very next day. The doctor said, oh, thank God you're here. You're in the beginning phases of macular degeneration, and we can reverse this with a vitamin therapy. This is a phenomenon that I term spirit intervention. Her mother knew what, because spirits are quantum energy, and that's a whole other discussion, but we're all energetically interconnected, knew that her daughter was going to be having this connection with me, came through and said there is a condition with Phyllis that can be changed. So generally, spirits won't interfere in our life, but if there is an avoidable thing, they will come in and do this. So, so yes, sometimes spirit communication can alter the course of your life in a very positive way. Now, the next part of your question, and I love the way you ask questions because it's like, it's like a lawyer. And the part, second part of my question <laughs> is, Okay, and that's good. That's a very, very good, Sister Jenna. Oh, and sorry, if I, if I sound a little bit raspy, I just got over a really bad cold no, no, and fever fine. and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm in the aftermath where you know, there, there aren't enough cough drops in the world to, you know. <laughs> but um, we are never sorry, holding the spirit back. And uh-huh. if we communicate with the spirit on the other side, and I used to think that. I used to think 
that we're somehow holding them back because that's sort of the conventional wisdom. Yeah, we're, we're kind of reaching out to the collective consciousness of the other side and we're pulling them in. But if you're looking at things in a Victorian perspective, which is where modern spiritualism was was uh, redefined, and that's why so many of the terms and so much of the understanding of spirit communication was coined uh, between like 1850 and, and 1900. Oh, we're, we're holding them back. But now, when you look at it through the theories emanating uh, from Nikola Tesla through Einstein, through Heisenberg, through Professor Hans-Peter Dorr, through the, the studies going on at the Max Planck Institute and with Gary Schwartz at the University of Arizona, we now know that spirits are pure energy, and energy mm. moves the speed of light. So we may be communicating with them, and they are zipping over to us at light speed, communicating with us, checking out whatever's going on here, and then zipping back. And the fact mm. of the matter is we can't kill energy, we can't contain it, we can't slow it down, we can communicate with it. So it's kind of like we're moving slower than the proverbial molasses in January, and they're moving at the speed of a lightning bolt. So they can zip in, see what we're going on, give messages, messages and zip out without really missing a beat. So we're never holding them back from what they're doing. And mm. I call mediumship, I've redefined it as interdimensional communication, because as the string theorists like Dr. Michio Kaku and others have indicated that there is not just one dimension, there are many dimensions, there are many universes, and spirits are in another dimension which energetically runs parallel to this one. Well, people say, oh, that sounds like a bunch of airy-fairy nonsense. Well, Let's look at AM radio and FM radio. You have two energy systems which deliver a tremendous amount of information, which are different frequencies, yet they do overlap at times. And so we live in AM radio. The spirit mm. world that we communicate with is FM radio. I get that. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. What do you pick up with these times now? looking at the current situation globally and nationally. Do you get any happy. signals? Oh, okay. Do yeah, you get yeah. any signals? Do you hear them telling you, get out, Mark, while you're still alive? <laughs> no, no. And, you know, um, I, I'm not, uh, personally, I'm not happy with what I'm feeling from the world in general. Uh, let's take a step back and let's look at human history. Exactly when was the Golden Age? Mm-hmm. Okay. Was it during the Roman Empire? Well, not if you're getting thrown into the arena or your country getting invaded. Was it the medieval era? Well, there was the Black Death, the oppression, the ignorance, and the burnings at the stake. Okay. Was it um, living in India? Um, well, not if you're at the lower end of the caste system. Okay. If it was it living in Imperial China? Well, no, not unless you're the emperor. And even then, you ended up getting stabbed, strangled, you know, poisoned. The quote-unquote good old days of the 1950s, talk to any African-American in the United States and see what their parents' memories of that were. So without being facetious, humanity has always been this incredibly volatile situation, competing interests and one group asserting its dominance over another, and religions, which are supposed to be about peace and love and understanding, being used as a moral justification for oppression. So I see that today it's only worse because as Einstein and as Oppenheimer and Feynman, the great physicists of, uh, who ushered in the nuclear era, said, we've now created weapons that pose an existential threat to human beings. In other mm-hmm. words, we can, we can destroy all life on this planet. And it was bad enough during the Cold War, but now when you have unstable people like Kim Jong-un and the Iranian theocracy uh, obtaining these weapons and every terrorist group wanting to get hold of one, that's what, what I feel is really, really bad. And, mm-hmm. and I know that on a national level, a lot of people, and I don't, I don't get political, are very unhappy with the, the current administration, and they're all like, they hate him and they want him to go. It's like, yeah, but if you're on an airplane, do you really want the pilot of that plane to fail, meaning you're going to crash? I kind of yeah, want perfect. the pilot to be successful, <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. till we land and get to change planes. So, so I see, unfortunately, I feel that a big war is coming. The question is, how big? How big? 
And mm. um, unfortunately, I don't believe, or rather fortunately, I don't believe in hell as in a dimension of hell on the other side. I believe that we reincarnate into this world and that hell is here. And if people don't believe that, then turn on the TV and look at what people in Mosul or Aleppo are going through or talk oh, yeah. to a parent who has lost a child and tell me mm-hmm. if that person is not in hell. Yes, exactly. And I agree with you on that. Heaven heaven and hell to me is here. It's the consciousness and the intentions and the way that you treat yourself and the way that you treat others. When you said in the early part of the interview that you do psychic readings on the phone, yes. I'd love for our listeners to be able to get a sample. What does that mean? Now, I haven't really lost anyone apart from my father last year. I'm not really interested in connecting with him. We've had a beautiful send-off. He's peaceful, loving. I'm fine. When you do a reading, what is it that you actually do? How long do they last? How do people get in contact with you if they're actually interested in the process? And I'd love for you to do a sample with me. For example, I'm having my big 20-year anniversary on on Sunday. Do we ask silly questions like, "Is it going to be good, Mark?" <laughs> well, I'm not a fortune. I'm not a fortune teller, okay. Um, and and exactly. and I don't and I don't mean that in a, in a negative or a rude way. If you want to find out about your way. love life, career, and future, you go go for a psychic reading. If you want to communicate with loved ones in spirit, then you consult with a medium, okay. Right. And all mediums have psychic ability, but not all psychics have mediumistic ability. You know, it's like there's different types of doctors, different types of lawyers, sure. different types of yeah. you know scientists. So there's there's uh, different different fields of discipline. The reason uh, you know a phone reading and an in-person reading are qualitatively the same is getting back to quantum physics and spirits being able to move at the speed of light. So right now, you know, we're doing this interview over the telephone. You're in one part of the country. I'm in another part of the country, and the electromagnetic spectrum, which is the telephone and the satellite communication is all moving at light speed. So we're having this conversation in real time. Spirits aren't burdened with human technology. They zip back and forth between the person I'm doing the reading for and and myself able to provide that information. And it it works on the basis of quanta because on a sub, am I getting too complicated? I don't I know I'm not for you. I just know if if we're going too far for the show but um, um, we all know that everything is made of molecules, which are made of atoms, which are made of um, electrons, protons, and neutrons. And then on a smaller subatomic uh, particle is uh, quanta, which is electromagnetic energy. And everything at its most basic beginning is this electromagnetic energy, which is why all the spiritual people and people of faith have been saying for thousands of years that we're all inter- interconnected. Because now we have physics, physicists who are telling us the same thing. And so that's how all this works, is that it's all this energy flow. So I know you're having a so big a, thing on Sunday. Will it be a, a success with you there, Sister Jenna? It's going to be great. Con- tell you right now, I bet you're not. there's not going to be one potato chip there. Exactly. And I just ask because I know that, you know, everybody really wants to find greater understanding and meaning because it is an area that it's very hard to decode because it's beyond the ego thinking. And I I believe that sometimes people just aren't aware of what are the right ways to understand this, how to see this, how to view this. Even as you were speaking, I was thinking about our sister Gita, who lost her mother and father when she was seven. And she's been in orphanages, abused, here, there, everywhere, abandoned. And sometimes I wonder if the loss of that energy, of that mother, and that sense of protection has created a little bit of a shadow over her world, you know? And what is it that she needs? You know, what can we do to help her? Because I sometimes suspect that there's something there more than what we can decode. Oh, absolutely. Can a a spirit that has left that long still linger on in someone's consciousness? Well, it's not that the spirit is lingering in their consciousness. A spirit is a conscious... Um, mm-hmm. Okay, the other side is is like when you die, your soul's like a drop of water, okay, mm-hmm. and, and then it plunges into this eternal ocean and is now interconnected. Once again, 
quantum electromagnetic field that rejoins this collective consciousness and then can disconnect. And in the evidence of eternity, I write about the collective consciousness disconnect, where they can disconnect to communicate with somebody here. Now, mm-hmm. has it caused a cloud? Uh, is that consciousness uh, a cloud in her consciousness? I would say that the pain and suffering, what this little girl went through, which no child should, should have to lose their parents. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly at such a young age, it hurts hard enough when you're an adult, but but yeah. you know as a child. And then if you say, well, this is a karma that's worked out. A lot of people get very bent out of shape when they hear that. How dare you pass judgment? It's like, no, I'm not passing judgment. I'm saying that this is what I understand. And we also we cannot change the past. We can't do right. anything about what has happened to us. The only thing we can do is learn how to alter the way we react to it. And and one of my my theories, Sister Jenna, is grief, crime, grief. Let's say um, somebody like her, this grief is inflicted upon her, okay? She goes through these foster homes, and she's abused and never felt loved, and Mm -hmm. her grief hasn't been dealt with properly. She hasn't been in a, a support group of a loving family or collective of friends. So now maybe, and I'm not saying she, I'm just using this as an example, turns to drugs and alcohol or impulsive behaviors. So now her grief leads her into committing um, behaviors that can become a crime, such as to take the edge off one night, she drinks uh, um, eight eight drinks, gets behind the wheel of a car, and then kills somebody. Her grief mm-hmm. led to crime, which has now inflicted grief upon somebody else. And it's a cycle that I have seen as both an attorney and a medium thousands of times. And it's breaking that cycle. That's why I'm a big proponent of grief counseling and, and talking through your problems. And, and if, as part of your recovery process, you feel that spirit communication to hear from the people who died is going to help you, then you should do that. Um, spirit communication isn't for everybody. Because some people, well, the Bible tells me this. It's like, fine, then read the Bible. Okay? Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. you find comfort in Scripture, that's fine. I've had a lot of people saying, I'm sorry, but reading this book, the, this Scripture doesn't do a thing for me. I need to hear this. Some people need the direct experience. It just depends upon the person. Beautiful. Well said. Mark, it's been very insightful, our conversation today, and thank you so much for the service that you've done. Um, any information about how our readers can get a hold of your book and are there any tours that are coming up for you that at least they can get an idea if they could join you if they're in town? Oh, absolutely. If everyone just goes would go to my website, evidenceofeternity.com, it will show you how to – you can buy my book at all fine bookstores, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books a Million, uh, independent bookstores. You can also order them online uh, through Amazon, and you can do that through my website. Also, I'm on a summer speaking tour. I'll be in Florida, Colorado, um, Texas, Arizona, then back to Florida. And I will be um, at the Arvada Center in Colorado, which is right outside of Denver, on Saturday, July 29th, doing an evening of spirit communication where I'll be connecting uh, loved ones um, in spirit with audience members. And then I'll be speaking in uh, Westminster, Colorado, a few days after that at the International Association of Near-Death Studies, where I will be presenting my quantum uh, consciousness theories. Then on August 17th, I'll be in Houston on the Great Day Houston TV morning show with uh, host Deborah Duncan, and then that night at Body, Mind, and Soul, doing an evening of spirit communication. Then in September, on September 12th, I'll be on the Morning Blend uh, CBS morning show in Tucson, and that evening at the Unity of Tucson for an evening of spirit communication. And then a couple days later, I'll be in Scottsdale at the Afterlife Research and Education Symposium, where I'll be explaining, once again, uh, how quantum physics are the basis for the afterlife. So people can uh, they can buy tickets and they can find out about all these and my books at my website, evidenceofeternity.com. You can follow me on Facebook um, because there's a tab there on, on my website. And then I know we're gearing up for a fall tour uh, because th- that's in the works as well. And you know, Sister Jenna, it would be I would love to return to your show and perhaps we could do a show where we take calls from listeners where I do readings on air. 
I would love to do that. And I know Antonia, our producer, is looking like, oh, yay, 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 I want to be on that call. So, yes, I'd be happy to do that, Mark. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I want to thank you, Sister Jenna, for the beautiful work that you do. You're just such a, a, you're a light, okay? And yeah, everyone's a light, everyone's energy, but some lights burn a bit brighter than others. And the work that you're doing is raising the bar because, look, the material world, this planet Earth may be hell, but that doesn't mean we have to wallow in it, okay? Mm, And people like you let folks know you don't have to give in to the base level desires and you can raise your consciousness and that's the only way we're going to make the world a better place you start with yourself your family your little corner of it and and sister mm. jenna your corner is pretty darn big thank you, you Mark. Touch so many people thank you i i just cannot that's thank so you sweet. enough thank you many good wishes to you my brother take thank care mm-hmm. god bless Thank you. So Mark has given us a lot of insight about this whole process, something that I'm also curious to know more about in terms of, you know, how do we learn to help each other? And if even the spirit, uh, as Mark was sharing, when it's detached from the body, it is light energy, it works at a much faster speed. So it can even send messages much clearer, the one about the story of the relative that had an eye disease and how that assisted. So Remarkable. Thank you so much for joining us as we listened to Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. Please go to his website. He's got a lot of tours and, and speaking engagements coming up. Just Google evidenceofeternity.com. I think that would be the best email for you. And send me an email if you really liked the interview and would like to know some more about the work that Mark is doing. And I'll promise to get Mark back on to see if we can have one of these conversations with um the psychic medium. (laughs) All right, everyone, take good care. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. We are here to love each other the same. So let's do that. Thanks to Arco Iris Foundation for supporting the America Meditating Radio Show and the Azar Foundation. We couldn't continue without them. Let's end today's show by our wonderful friend, Sanatham Kaur. I loved the video that she sent for our 20 years. Sanatham, thank you. We love you very much. So here is one of my favorites from Sanatham. Ade Tsai. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 